0: You know, you were talking about that. This is one of your favorite scenes in the movie. So I'll let you describe. It, it, it is one of my favorite scenes in the movie because, uh, so everybody's sort of abandoned. You know, as he feels he's out there by himself, nobody's willing to help him. So he's wandering the streets in town. Now, his charming, sunny little town that we saw earlier in the day looks a little more downtown, city-like. As he's walking down this back alley. He's walking in between big buildings. It's dark out, and it's pouring down rain. So he's he's desperately looking for his bike so much, he's not even willing to put on a raincoat. He's just walking out there in his suit. He's getting drenched, and he's just doing anything that he can to, uh, to look for his bike. Out of nowhere, these four guys jump in, and they surround him. And Pee Wee looks like he might be in for some trouble. So... The one guy says to him, "Hey man, you're new to the curb, and we don't take kindly to strangers coming around here." And what does Pee Wee do? He he hisses at <laughs> like them like a cat, and they they go whoa, and they go running. <laughs> I mean, obviously in real life he would have gotten the tar beaten out of him, but it's just funny the I fact don't that, know the fact that he hisses at them <laughs> and they and they all scatter. And the, the, I think one of the one of the funny things is. The guy who's yelling at him in the movie is actually Tim Burton.
1: I, I did not know that until yeah. you told me.
0: Yeah, it was Tim Burton. That was his one little cameo in the movie is, is he's the character that talks to him in the, in the alleyway. Right,
1: and yeah, so that, that, that's a great scene. I, you know, you know I, to point out with this movie, I think that's what I liked so much about it was there were these, these just moments. And you have that in a lot of movies, but it was like, it just happened repeatedly. It's almost like The Simpsons, where every few moments you get something that just would make you laugh out loud.
0: Right. And it doesn't seem to linger. Because you know how sometimes a gag or a bit can go too far. Right. And these were, I think that's where you see kind of the the vaudeville style of comedy, where you don't want to, you know, you don't want to stay out there too long that they don't want you to. They want you to stop.
1: Well, it's like the we have Amazing Larry, which mm-hmm. was like just this, you're you, were, you were going to burst out laughing. Right. And then they set the stage that Pee Wee right now is not someone to be messed with because he is crazy.
0: That's right. And
1: then immediately we encounter where he hisses at at at, <laughs> at the, the the hooligans. He then makes his way over to Madame Ruby. He's a fortune teller.
0: That's right. Because
1: he's got to find out what's going on with his bicycle. And Madame Ruby, of course, is a fraud. Mm-hmm. And she manages to get his wallet because he hands it to her.
0: Well, she asks him if, if he has cash. Yeah. And so he basically opens up his wallet and shows that he has cash. And so she says, okay, come on in.
1: Yeah. But at some point he dumps, he dumps the money onto the table and she kind of takes the wallet from him. And as she's asking questions, she's, she has this, this crystal ball and she has the smoke going through the crystal ball. And you can see her. Uh, they show her manipulating the ball from underneath the table. They and then she while this is going on, she's going through his wallet mm-hmm. and she sees all these pictures of his bicycle.
0: Right. So she's like, mm, I see a bicycle, and and immediately he's like, Yes. Is it okay? Yeah. So he kind of like leads her into right. part of this the part of the stick, and and she's like, It's okay. It's well, before okay.
1: before he'll give her any money, he goes, Why am I here? <laughs> and she goes, Because you want something. <laughs> and he goes, And he, then he has the wallet to
0: her. That's right, yeah.
1: And so, and he's like, my bicycle, where is it? And then she looks out the window and she sees the words that would form Alamo. Right,
0: because it's pie Alamode at the restaurant across the
1: street. And she says, your bicycle is in the Alamo.
0: Right, and then she looks at the next business over and they have, uh, it was like bargain basement pricing or something like that. And then she goes, it's at the Alamo in... The basement. Right. Which I made reference to in a previous episode. You did, uh, yeah. A little while ago. You did. And it was about San Antonio,
1: Texas. That's right. That's right. Um the and we do have listeners in San Antonio, mm-hmm. Texas, so it's it's kind of nice that this this movie does take place for a little while in San Antonio there at the Alamo. Mm-hmm. So we, we go from from Madame Ruby and we have Pee Wee has decided he is going to uh hit the road and make his way to san antonio texas to the alamo
0: but he doesn't have his
1: bike with him so he can't ride his bike right and he obviously doesn't drive a car now what what i like about the scene that we have here is that that cartoonish hobo knapsack on a stick that's right (laughs) all his possessions are tied up in like a polka dot sheet
0: T- tied to a stick And what's he gonna do?
1: He's hitchhiking He's hitchhiking he, he's, he's, he's hitchhiking his way to Texas And he pulls like the, the giant thumb
0: Well yeah Because he, he starts You know he's got the regular thumb In the beginning And the cars just keep flying past him So he's like Whoa maybe they don't see my So he gets the gigantic thumb Holds that out And the, the funny thing is You know he's not very patient Right So he's only been standing there About a minute and a half Right And then at that point He already takes the giant thumb off And throws it at the car That drives <laughs> past him and then at one point he is, um, you know, he goes from standing to sitting and then he's completely asleep with half of his body <laughs> on the road. out on the road. I remember thinking that was really funny, the yeah. theater at the time. Cause
1: it's kind of like a little kid that's like impatient and they're, they're tired of waiting. It's like, you know, you have that long line to get into the restaurant and you know, they don't take reservations. So everyone's there. And so mm-hmm. what are the, the kids like stretches out on the floor? I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's what he's doing. Yeah. And, he even had, at one point, he had a, a sign that was the ship of Texas with a little star right around where San Antonio was. Right. So he was kind of showing you know everybody where he wanted to go. Right.
0: Yep, exactly. So
1: eventually, though, he does get picked up. And he gets picked up by Mickey.
0: Um, That's right. And Mickey's driving a convertible. Yeah. And he is, oh, he's wearing a jean jacket. And he's in kind of a hurry. He is in a
1: hurry, and he's got some interesting kind of jewelry on his wrist. Yes. In that he's got like half a handcuff That's right.
0: <laughs> on his wrist. Yeah, so he's like, you know, the car stops, Pee Wee jumps to and gets in the car. He's like, thanks for stopping, and they go speeding off. Mm-hmm. So then they're kind of, I guess they're starting to get to know each other a little bit. So we find out that Mickey is an escaped convict from, we do. from prison. But we find out why Mickey got put into prison in the first place. Yeah, why was that? Well, you you know the uh, the laws, the the tags on mm-hmm. the mattresses that say "Do not remove" under penalty of law. Yeah. Well, I
1: cut one of them off. That's, that's right. That's all it took. <laughs> he was he was you know he was angry. He's pushed too far.
0: I got real bad temper. He says.
1: Right, and, and at one point while while they're talking, you know, Pee Wee has his has his back to the you know kind of the one side to the. The traffic in the other lane, and we happen to see his bicycle on that's the back right. of the truck.
0: Yeah, because yeah, he, he, while the while Mickey's talking, mm-hmm. Pee Wee's not paying attention to what's going on around him, and you see the bike on the. I think it was a bus that was going. It was like the, the back, back of a truck, yeah, yeah. something like that, yeah. with
1: a bunch of other things, right? And it's it's it's. We find out later, it's heading to California, but that's that's where the bike. You know, he totally could have had the bike right there, just missed it, but. What I found interesting, too, is with doing some of this research, you know, and with Phil Hartman. Evidently, when they came up with this role, Phil Hartman wanted to do this part. He wanted to be Mickey. He wanted to be Mickey. Okay. And I can see that. Sure. So it was kind of written in a way for, for his, you know, his style of acting, you know, that Captain Carl, that, you know, that, you know, and I guess he was kind of bitter for a little while afterwards that he was not allowed to play the part. Okay. Because he's he's a struggling actor at this point, you know this this could have been a big break for him as well. I mean, it was that he's a writer, mm-hmm. but you know he's he's not given given the role here, and um, we'll get into a little bit later that there is a little bit of a beef that happens between um Phil and Paul Rubens later on. But this was kind of this is this maybe part of the beginning of it in that it's a role that you know Phil probably felt he needed at this point mm-hmm. so anyways we you know we're, we're driving along uh with with uh Wee and mickey and um suddenly scott there's this road stop that's that is is set up for the uh to find this escape convict yes and mickey's gonna run it but we have wee has an idea
0: right and he comes up with the idea how many feet before they had to stop? Yeah, like like seconds before he stopped. Like Fifty feet or yeah.
1: something like that? They don't pull over. They literally just pull up and what happens is we we see Mickey with a with a full goatee, uh, fake beard, and Pee Wee dressed like a woman.
0: Yes. And where they came up, where they got the clothes, who knows. But that's part of the charm of the movie. That's right. So immediately Pee-Wee as you know the the loving couple of Mickey and Pee-wee. He is charming the officer mm-hmm. into kind of big be- distracting him from uh, even suspecting that Mickey is the escape convict. Well, it it was it you know it was very funny and
1: the the, the way they you know the officer who kind of looks like I don't know he was this this overweight older police officer, mm-hmm. and he is infatuated with, with this lady, and he asked, he asked the lady to step out of the car, Pee-wee to step out of the car. Why? So he could get a good look at that cute little outfit that she's wearing.
0: And then what does Pee-wee do? He, he starts posing like, for, the, for the officer. He does a little, little pirouette. And then says, why don't you take a picture? It'll it'll last longer. Another
1: one of his famous lines that, you know, they, they were
0: able to work into the movie that way. So they, they pass the checkpoint, and they go speeding on, and you know, Mickey's like, you could just see the balloon start to deflate in him because you know, he was all anxious at the checkpoint. Didn't really say anything except, I think, no. <laughs> yeah. When they said, you know, have you seen this man? And so you know, he's like decompressing, and he looks over at Pee Wee, and Pee Wee's still in the dress and the wig, <laughs> right, right? And just sitting there, going, <laughs> right. enjoying the uh, enjoying the sights of the drive, right? Yeah. It just kind of makes Mickey
1: chuckle. Right. So eventually we, we we cut to another scene where now Pee Wee's driving and Mickey's kinda of dozing off and he's he's um, you know, he's talking to Pee Wee and Pee Wee's asking him, you know, what was prison like and he's like, Oh, you know, you got to lift weights and then do some other stuff and lift weights and it seems like that's what you gotta do a, a lot of a prison, and then he kinda of falls asleep. As, as he's driving along, we see a sign for falling rocks, which of course then rocks fall on the well, car.
0: The the first one was the was the turn. You know, it had like a, like a curve. Right. So he does the curve. And then the next sign is like three curves. Yeah. And then the, the the next one's all squiggled up. Right. And Pee-wee's like, you know, <laughs> like the tires are squealing and he's like trying to steer. And then the sign says falling rocks. And then all of a sudden he's in the shower of rocks sure. that are on the car. Yeah.
1: And then at some point, Pee-wee drives the car off a cliff. Yeah. To which then they, you know, Mickey wakes up. And, you know, because Pee-Wee's screaming, they're falling down the cliff. But fortunately, it's a convertible. So the, the top comes out and it acts like a parachute and they just waft gently down to the ground. They slowly drop down to safety. Right. And Mickey now kicks Pee-Wee out of the car and says, he's, you know, hey, you don't want to mess with me. You're a good kid. He goes, I'm trouble. I'm going to leave you here. And then, you know, Pee-Wee's like, but
0: wait, he goes, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Yep. I'm, he's like, I'm a, I'm a loner, a rebel. Right, because you have to remember that line for. That's for, right for later. That's right. So, and I do remember this very specifically,
1: seeing this in the theater because it's pitch black in the movie theater, right. and all of a sudden, there are two
0: eyes are now on the screen. Because it's, it's pitch black in the desert, right? And he can't see anything, right? So he gets the idea that he has these vision goggles. Well, but they, for a while,
1: the eyes are kind of mm-hmm. like going across the screen, and then you're hearing like some some animal noises. And then he realizes one of the other things he purchased from the magic store were these headlight glasses. Right. And he puts on the headlight glasses, and then he's just surrounded by wild animals. <laughs> Nothing but
0: there's, <laughs> like, there's like a thousand animals like ready to tear him apart. Right. I mean, he you can have more animals in the zoo.
1: <laughs> but somehow he gets out. It gets away from that. Well,
0: and then the scene ends. Right. So, so it's you know that's that's the way the scene ends. But and then you know the it goes to black, and then it comes back again, and then all of a sudden you hear a tractor trailer
1: right and then we this the the truck stops Wee gets in and there's this older lady who's driving the truck you know he's like thank you for the ride and she is all business she's yes yeah, she is <laughs>
0: just staring out the uh staring out the windshield
1: she's you know and she starts telling the story and it starts out on this night 10 years ago and then she rattles off that you know it was
0: a night just like this and you talk about the uh the the the, the mist and the, the fog and i seen the worst accident i ever seen and then the the wreckage and so it kind of cuts away like for a brief moment and then it's like you're you're jumping back into the conversation again you look over at peewee and he's like cringing in the corner mm-hmm. almost in the fetal position in the passenger seat because she's to, you know describing this accident right and then she uh finally gets to the point where where she uh, looks she goes and when they pulled the body from the twisted burning wreck it looked like this and then
1: there was this wildly like almost like cartoonish comical face
0: like claymation yeah all
1: right we're not doing it justice describing it but and scott will verify this my friend Greg literally screamed, <laughs> screamed when that happened in the movie theater. A- am I right? Well, we
0: laughed so <laughs> hard; uh, it was it was just so unexpected. <laughs> right. you know, and that's why that's what I like about about movies like this is because you get those those just they're out of nowhere. But he
1: screamed with laughter. Yeah, and it was like it was like if you ever had I I don't know if I've ever heard anyone that joyous at, at uh-huh. any moment, like just pure laughter. It was like he just let out
0: this unexpected scream. Yeah, and I, I guess it's important to point out that when we saw the movie, it was in the middle of the week and it was not the later showing. It was like an early... Because we it practice had just ended, so it was probably... Yeah, it's before well, dinner time. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't so, dark yet. So we were... It was not... There weren't that many people in the theater when we went and saw it. I mean, it was maybe half full, yeah, probably. So, probably where we sat, uh, we kind of had this little section to ourselves, yeah. And yeah, it, it, the fact that he screamed like that—I <laughs> mean, it just echoed in the movie theater.
1: One of my one of my fondest memories ever <laughs> was was that moment. Uh, so the uh, the the oh oh, and then so the the lady drops hit. Pee Wee off at this truck stop. And she makes a point of saying, uh, when you get in there, tell him Large Marge sent you.
0: Yep. And then she laughs and drives and drives off. Well, she goes, the laugh isn't, you know, <laughs> it's, <laughs> and then she stops and then turns back to the, the windshield and she just drives off in stone uh, sober silence.
1: Right. So he walks into this traditional truck stop and, you know, everybody looks like a trucker in there it's very stereotypical 1980s late 70s early 80s truck stop guys all have their trucker caps on and their 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 vests on and peewee walks in and he says large Marge sent me
0: and all the spoons drop all the forks drop and the place gets dead dead quiet and they, and they well that that can't be and there was a, a guy
1: stands up in the back and he starts telling the exact same <laughs> story. Because on a night like this, 10 years
0: ago. And Pee-wee starts to cringe because he's <laughs> thinking maybe he'll see the voice again. And then Buddy finally realizes that that was Large Marge and she was the one that was actually dead in that story. Right. So he's like, so that means that the Large Marge that brought me here... And everybody in the restaurant says her ghost, and then it, they look over, and there's a shrine set up to her with her picture, and it was the
1: lady that brought him there in the truck.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So Pee Wee's pretty devastated. He he sits down and and he's eating his meal, and you know while there's another guy staring at him. Of mm-hmm. course, you know Pee Wee catches him, the guy quick quick looks away, and and then eventually uh, this very sweet, nice waitress um, named Simone. Mm-hmm. She um, she hands him his bill, and then Pee Wee realizes that he does not have his wallet. Right, and he so, probably hasn't had it since he was at the the madam's or the 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 the, uh,
0: the lady who read the fortunes. Yeah, and as soon as he realizes that his wallet's missing, everybody in the theater already knew that. As soon as he says it, like, well, yeah, because the the fortune teller never gave it back to him. Right. So yeah, he's he's got no money and. So instead, he ends up in the kitchen washing dishes.
1: With a very stylish hairnet on. Yep. Which, uh, and then, you know, eventually then Simone comes in and says, well, I think you worked off that tuna melt and milkshake that you had.
0: But, the, you know, the funny thing, and again, it's kind of that prop type comedy, is he had the hairnet on, but do you remember the fact that he was doing all those dishes and he had his hands in the sink, mm-hmm. but he never rolled his sleeves up. That's true. You know, he 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 ends up, when he's wiping off the suds from his arms, he's actually wiping them off his suit jacket when he when he does it. I didn't think about that. Had yeah. had to watch it again. So
1: then, you know, he now strikes up a conversation with Simone. Mm-hmm. And he finds out that Simone is, you know, she's somebody that longs for bigger things in life. And here, you know, we have Pee Wee who's on his big adventure. Right. And he's willing to take a chance. And he's not just going to stay in the, the safety of of his little world. He's going to go out there and and find that bike no matter what it takes. And, you know, Simone really encourages once would to stay and and hang out and see the sunrise with her.
0: Yeah, and I think for somebody like Simone who's yearning to get out of this mundane everyday lifestyle, she finally comes across somebody who is who has the brave, you know, the um uh You know the confidence or the desire to broad, you know, extend himself to kind of go outside of his comfort zone because he's trying to find his bike, and I think she's really drawn to that because she kind of yearns for it, but she hasn't really she hasn't done it yet at that point. So she's seeing somebody that is out and abroad. He's a stranger in the town, but he's he's got a single minded focus like Simone does for wanting to go to Paris, and I think that's why she kind of connects with Peewee because. He's so much different than everybody else in town well we'll
1: go ahead and play this this
0: uh song it's actually called simone's theme
1: It kind of has a paris sound to it and i think that's probably what danny elfman was going for sure. with this because as scott mentioned simone's dream is to go to paris mm-hmm. she knows a little french you know she's in kind of this this middle of nowhere uh trucker uh, you know, restaurant that she works in Diner that she works in But she is, learns a little French I mean, she's, she's throwing out, you know, au revoir and
0: Yeah, she's somebody who is kind of tired of her situation Right And she's on the verge of wanting to make that that next jump in her life But she's afraid to until she talks to Pee Yeah,
1: and that's So, one of the, the things that I think makes this movie long-lasting Is the sweetness to it so, these these characters, all that we're encountering right now are just really nice people. Mm-hmm. They're sweet people. And Simone's the same way. Now, she asks Pee-wee to see the sunrise. And there's nothing, uh, I, I would say that there, she does, she's not looking for a romantic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that she's not looking for, you know, we find out from her talking that... Uh, she has this boyfriend by the name of Andy who's mm-hmm. kind of holding her back in a way. She just sees Pee-wee as this kindred spirit and she just wants to talk to him. And, you know, we you start, you're kind of rooting for Simone. Mm-hmm. So they see the sunrise. Okay. I, th- I
0: think it's important to point out, you know, because it's so much a part of the movie is the external scenery mm-hmm. that goes on around it. And they watch the sunrise, but they watch it from the head of a... Big, giant fake dinosaur right because it's a dinosaur park which i found out actually does exist that was a real thing down in texas um but yeah, it's all these life they're the real size replicas of dinosaurs and they went to the top of it wasn't the tyrannosaur it was it was a different type of dinosaur but it was like the tallest dinosaur Sure. well and, and that's a good point uh scott is that you know i think kind of in the
1: modern world oftentimes we'll travel we'll stay on the highway mm-hmm. right but it the, the days before the 1950s we didn't have the major highway system so if if you would travel you would go along these these smaller roads and there would always be these these tourist attractions right that would you know if, with the biggest rocking chair it would be you know see Paul Bunyan statue it, you know things like that and and that's what this is and it it is this, this truck stop that's by one of these you must stop and have your picture taken places
0: yeah it kind of reminds you the the old um, and listeners that we have down there in the southwest at route 66 you know get your kicks on route mm-hmm. 66 and that that whole high that whole two lane highway was that built how many towns from say the mississippi out to california yeah. And it seems like Pee-wee has kind of found himself, you know, he started on the highway with Mickey, they fall off the cliff, and now he's kind of in this this different type of world from what would have been considered contemporary
1: 1985 at the time. Right. So, you know, Simone and, and Pee-wee, they see the sunrise, they're, they're coming down from the dinosaur. or they're walking out, and who happens to be pumping gas at the time but... Simone's very jealous boyfriend who she's talked about that she her boyfriend's very jealous yes his name is Andy and he sees them coming out of
0: the dinosaur together right and Andy immediately assumes that there was some extracurricular mm-hmm. activity that there was some type of a romance going on between Simone and peewee and we should point out that Andy's very tall he's almost like a cartoon character he's he's huge I mean
1: the guy looks like he's closing on seven feet. I'm sure. Now, I think that belly might be exaggerated a little bit with with a padded costume.
0: He was, uh, uh, the name of the uh, guy that played Andy is John Harrison. I believe he was a professional wrestler in my life.
1: I I could see that. I mean, he, remember as I watched the the movie last night, I I thought he moves really well. Mm -hmm. You know, for a man his size, he's very athletic. And I thought, wow, that guy would be a great, Offensive lineman or defensive lineman, he just he carried his weight really well and and just had he was he was fairly nimble in his feet, but they made him like this this giant cartoon character where he he tears like one of the dinosaur
0: bones off, and that's the club that he's using to try to kill Pee Wee. Right, and he is trying to kill Pee Wee, and and what ensues is this uh, comedic, very funny chase scene where he's chasing him all around like this little area that that Pee Wee spent the night in to watch the sunrise mm-hmm. and he's he's being chased by Andy. And we do find out that although Andy is quick and nimble footed, Andy was not a long distance runner. Nope. And nope. eventually Andy runs out of gas.
1: And this allows Pee Wee to escape and jump onto a train, much like a hobo. Mm-hmm. Which is another great device they use in this film to like move him to somewhere else. It's like how do you get from point A to point B? Right. He's been dropped off here at this diner by a ghost. Right. Uh, you know, so he's, he's 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 he hitchhiked. He got in the car with a convict who dropped him off in the middle of the desert, who mm-hmm. now get he gets picked up by a ghost in a tractor trailer truck. How do we now get him to the Alamo? Well, we're going to jump have him jump on a train.
0: He's going to be on a train and like you said, all the characters, I guess with the exception of Andy but all the characters kind of have this likability about them. Mm-hmm. And as he jumps on the train, he runs into this good old-fashioned hobo.
1: Well, not yet, though. So he gets on the train, right, and he's exhausted from from chasing with Andy, and he has this dream sequence that, that happens. Oh, that's right, yeah. Wait, let me bring this up here. So he has this dream, and his bicycle's in the dream. But as we just talked about, they left
0: a dinosaur park.
1: And in the dream, the dinosaurs are destroying his bicycle.
0: Yeah, and the way that Tim Burton shot the scene is it's very black and it's very spotlighted on the bike. And Pee Wee's at a place where he can't go and try and recover the bike. He has to sit there and watch as this is happening in his dream. Mm -hmm.
1: So eventually Pee Wee wakes up. And he, he's awakened by this hobo offering him
0: one of his sardines. Yes, and the hobo his name is Jack, and it's played by a a guy by the name of Carmen Filpi, who's in everything. I mean, he's in tons he's of stuff. Been in so many things. We talked about the movie The Wedding Singer. Yeah, he was in that. He was the guy in the bar <laughs> right. that. Um, you know, when he just said, I'm lonely and I just want somebody to hold me.
1: And I used to be much
0: stronger. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was the same guy. Right. Uh, and that was 13. And he looked the same. <laughs> yeah, he did. And he was, I remember he used to be on the Andy Griffith show. And he looked the same. It's yeah. like, it's amazing that the guy ended up acting into his 80s. But he was one of those guys that in his 40s looked like he was probably 70.
1: Well, you know, it, it, it maybe it's like Alice Cooper, where he put on makeup when he was younger to look older and look a certain way so by the time he was he was older you know he looked the same
0: so they you know he's eating sardines but peewee befriends this guy sure so what do they do they start singing
1: well they start singing kind of like traveling songs like from the 1940s like she'll be, she'll be,
0: yeah she'll be um it was started out she'll be coming around the mountain
1: oh and peewee's into it too he, oh, he's, he's singing right along
0: and they're they're doing like harmonizing yeah as as they're singing but there's one little problem is Pee-wee's getting tired of the fact that Jack wants to keep singing. Well, he
1: doesn't stop. I mean, he goes like from one song to the next without a break.
0: And, and as we learn with Pee-wee hitchhiking, (laughs) Pee-wee gets, gets frustrated very quickly, but it kind of, again, and I think that's one of the great things about Tim Burton's directing is to save time. They'll do like these little cutaways and you're only cutting away for about two seconds, but as a as a viewer, you're you're mentally saying, okay, it's been a while, Right. and Jack is still singing, and Pee Wee's fed up with it, <laughs> and you just see the look on his face, yeah. And Pee Wee's not singing with him, and then uh, Jack starts in with Jimmy Crackhorn. <laughs> right? And he's like, and at one point he's like, and I don't care. And then what does Pee Wee do? Pee Wee jumps off Pee-wee, the train. He leaps to his
1: death. Yeah, right. It's like he's had he he has had yeah. enough and death would be preferable than listening to this old guy sing.
0: So he's like that's it I'm done and he jumps off the train, off and, a moving train.
1: And where does he stop? He immediately at a sign that says San Antonio, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Home of the Alamo or you know, it's like and he's there. It's like
0: when they were writing this,
1: you knew it had to crack him up.
0: Oh sure. It's like
1: we're going to put him like right there at the sign. I mean, it's um, you know, they they kept the, the movie moving. It, d- it did not drag on. So we're, we're at the Alamo or we're at uh, Texas, uh, San Antonio. So of course, that's where the Alamo is. And and now Pee Wee's going to go right there and find
0: his bicycle. So
1: he signs up and he takes the tour.
0: He does. And there's a lot of people in the tour. And the tour guide is somebody by the name of Tina. Mm-hmm. Who's played Jan by, Hooks. By Jan Hooks. And she was yeah. another member of the Groundlings. Good friends with Phil Hartman and John Lovitz. And just such a vital part of that snl group yeah. from the, in the uh, mid to late 80s i really like jan hooks when she
1: was on the show she you know she you know added so much of course i didn't know who she was when she was in the movie mm-hmm. Pee Wee's big adventure because she had not been on snl yet she hadn't been casted yet um but she does a great job in the movie of being this overly perky tour guide and she, Pee Wee wants to interrupt. He just he just wants to find the bike. Wants to find the basement. But uh, she have to save all questions till the end. She goes through. She's a very thorough guide, and she she talks about you know the fact that they the people back in those days primarily ate maize or corn, and there was thousands of different uh, types of of ways to make it. And I am going to tell you each of those. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, and the, th- the thing I liked about um, you know Jan Hooks is the fact that she could kind of. Fall into and you know just kind of drift into any character that she was doing, and you know how some there are some people like John Lovitz, when he does a character in a movie, it's, John, it's John Lovitz. It's right. John Lovitz, but Jan Hooks and and I I kind of throw that quality very similar to like a Dan Aykroyd that you know he can he can drift into characters, very good character actors, and the the Southern accent for, for Jan was legit. She was actually from I think Atlanta. So she, she's doing that overly perky Southern accent, but it's actually a legit Southern accent that she's that she's doing. So she was pretty spot on.
1: Right. So eventually the tour ends and Pee-wee wants to find out, you know, well, we haven't
0: seen the basement yet. Yeah. He's like, um, are we going to go see the basement? And she's like, excuse me? The basement. Wow. There's no basement in the Alamo. And everybody she starts <laughs> laughing. Everybody laughs at him. And Pee-wee's humiliated. Right. So obviously
1: the fortune teller has lied to him. He he has realized it, and now he needs to go back to where whatever town he's from. We don't quite know what know. town that is. But who does he call? Dotty. That's right. That's right. He's uh he doesn't uh, want to give her the time of day, but he's going to call her when he's in need. Well, he likes her. Yeah, likes Scott. <laughs> likes her.
0: <laughs>
1: and Dotty doesn't believe that he's he's in Texas. So, of course, you know, to, to prove it, he likes I'll prove it to you. And he goes, he starts singing, the stars at night are big and bright. Then you hear,
0: deep in the heart of Texas. And everybody's harmonizing, Everybody
1: too. around him. There's like, you know, 30 <laughs> people all stop what they're doing, and they sing the, the rest of the song. It's like it. a chorus. Yeah. So, you know, like our listeners in Texas, I'm sure you're proud of your state. And that is, everyone I've ever met from Texas you know, tends to tends to like Texas. They're very proud yeah. of where they're from. Absolutely, right. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. So um, Pee-wee uh, then gets to talk to Speck, which is <laughs> one of my favorite parts yeah. of the movie, when Speck wanted to get on the phone and talk to him, and the little dog Speck is chewing him out. <laughs> and he's like, all right, Speck. Uh,
0: uh, yes, yes, okay, all right. But isn't it funny how how in a lot of movies – those real offbeat characters, they always seem to have like this inane communication ability with their animals. Right. Like Ron Burgundy. Yeah. Uh, Ron Burgundy can, can talk to his dog and he understands everything that the dog is saying to him. Right. And this is what's going on with Pee Wee and Speck is all Speck's doing. is just growling and barking. <laughs> and Pee Wee's like, like they're having this intelligent conversation. And like
1: Speck's chewing him out. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny. He's like, put Dottie back on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so Dottie gets back on the phone. And then of course, you know he eventually asks for a bus ticket
0: mm-hmm.
1: um you know he he beats around the bush a little bit then finally he's you know like he you know wants you know dottie thinks he's going to ask her out but no all he wants is a bus ticket and then dottie's like well i'll i'll help you out if you do something for me like mm-hmm. at the drive-in that's dottie's got the drive-in's where she wants to go she wants to go see a movie yeah, at, the at the drive-in and of course then Pee Wee pretends that they're static on the line <laughs>
0: that's right <laughs>
1: And that you know he can't quite hear, so he'll talk to you later. And and then you know, of course, you know Daddy's going to wire him the money, I guess, eventually. Right. Um, we do we do see Simone at some point there at the bus station, mm-hmm. and we find out Simone has decided
0: she's going to go to Paris. Going to go for it. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And so they have this little brief, you know. And he's like, you know, Pee Wee's happy for, her and and she's on her way to. You know, the fact that she met him was, was enough to convince her that she's gonna leave that life and she was mad at Andy for trying to kill Pee Wee and <laughs> right. that she was gonna go to Paris.
1: And uh so, you know, they, they kept the movie moving the whole time they're talking, Simone's walking over to the bus, she get she gets on the bus, uh yells Au revoir at the window to Pee Wee. And you know, Pee Wee now is gonna get in line, try to get his ticket after, you know, talking to Dotty, Dotty's gonna wire the money, and who's in line but Andy? And the the conductor's like, "Oh, hey, you just missed it by five minutes," and that and and then Andy sees Pee-wee, right? And the chase starts all over again. That's right. And this time, uh, Pee-wee he ducks and he hides in a trailer, and he comes out dressed like a cowboy.
0: <laughs> it's true. But he still has like his white shoes on. But and not any kind of cowboy. Not like the cowboy that you would imagine. It was like the Roy Rogers <laughs> completely white cowboy suit with the not a 10 gallon hat but like a 50 gallon hat on yeah. top of his head and the red scarf mm-hmm. and he's got the chaps on the furry white chaps and and he, he looks like something um yeah out of a like out of a 1950s cowboy movie. Right. So the um to get away from Andy,
1: he he puts on this number like he's going to be a bull rider or or a bronco rider and he they they call his number, of course. And right. then they put him on on the the bucking bronco and not only does he set the local record, but I think he says the world record. He's just short of setting the world record, I think. Yeah. And so then, he, of course, Andy sees him and he goes, he jumps into the the arena and Andy has this big, this Bluto red shirt on uh-huh. and the bull... Uh, happens to see this red shirt and you know bulls have to chase red they have to chase red and they go chasing and so he chases andy and he even jumps over the fence after andy that's right and um but you know th- this is so you know after this whole thing um you know of course you know Wee kind of gets he, he passes out in a way and then they 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 bring him to and that the crowd there they ask him they say you know do you know who you are no i don't i don't know who i am you know do you remember anything i remember the alamo and woohoo! everybody's <laughs> all happy that he remembers the alamo that's right so you know Wee eventually uh is, is making his way back and as he's heading back i'm not sure how he how he gets to the point that he gets to but he ends up in a biker bar
0: gets to this biker bar
1: and in the biker bar you know of course the the, the group there they're rowdy and they're whooping up, and Pee-wee's trying to make a phone call.
0: Pee-wee wants to use the payphone.
1: Yeah, and he shushes them.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so at one point, he can't understand what the operator is saying to him because he can't hear. Right. And they're just being so loud in the back that he he shushes them, and everybody stops. And he then he yells at them, right. I'm trying to <laughs> use the phone! And then he turns, and he starts carrying on his conversation, unknown that the... Bikers are now very angry at him, and they're now closing in on him as he has his back turned.
1: Right, and of course the bikers tell him that the name of their gang, they are the Satan's helpers, and that they... um he, 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 they, they let him go. They let him walk away kind of with a warning. So he, he, he goes walking out, and he's got this little sachet as he walks outside, and he knocks over one of the bikes, which then causes this domino effect and knocks over all the bikes. Knocks
0: over all the bikes, and, you know, anybody in a, it's in a bike or motorcycle group, I mean, those are your those are your prized possessions. You, you, you just basically signed your death warrant if you did something like that at a, at a bar, and Pee Wee knocked them all over.
1: So they bring him in and the one guy says, what we should do him is we should kill him. And then the other guy says, no, what we should do is we should hang him and then we should kill him. And the other guy goes, no, no, no. What we should do is we should stomp on him, then we should tattoo him, then we should hang him, and then we should kill him. And then Pee-Wee does this little ventriloquist voice, I say we let him go.
0: And everybody goes, no! And then all of a sudden you hear this whistle and this woman steps in and she goes, I think I should get him first. And everybody laughs. <laughs> did you know that was uh, Elvira? Really? Mistress of the Dark. Really? hmm Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. All yep. right. It's That's that's good. I, I can see that. Sure. Yeah.
1: Now that and I'm, I'm thinking of the character. Yeah. So Pee-wee thinks, well, if you're going to kill me, I should get a let. La- uh, don't I get one last request? And his request is to play a song in the jukebox. And I will play this here now. And because this is one of the more... F- uh,
0: famous scenes in the movie well the funny the funny thing leading up to it is he goes over to the busboy sure and he whispers into the busboy's ear and the busboy kind of nods and then reaches down and hands these gigantic white
1: platform shoes. Just like Pee Wee's, but only with huge heels.
0: And and the funny thing is, the busboy is now like two feet shorter. Sure,
1: yeah. So
0: Pee Wee puts the shoes on and he starts doing the
1: famous Pee Wee Herman dance on top of the bar. Yeah.
0: And if you're a Gen Xer, there's a good chance you did this dance at one point or another. I did. I certainly did. Sure.
1: In fact, I, you know, I saw Paul Rubens do the dance not that many years ago on Conan. And, <clears throat> I mean, this... I'd say if, if people have a, a memory of the movie, this tends to be one that people talk about. Sure.
0: And uh, I would, at this point, he's starting to win the crowd over. Yeah. Because, you know, he's doing the dance and they're, they're reluctantly kind of going along with it. And now it's at this point where he starts yelling at things like, breakdance! And he pull, picks up all these shot glasses <laughs> and starts throwing them down. And they like breaking things. Yeah. So now they're like cheering and, and they're cheering him on more and more. And now he's got, completely got them on his side.
1: Right. So the, the, the movie, you know, the song plays out. Eventually, you know, we get to the part where all the, oh, the bikers shout tequila at the end. And Pee-Wee has completely won them over. We cut to the next scene where the bikers are now his buddy, and Pee-wee's walking out, and they have their arms around him. He's got one of their vests he's on. He's got a shirt. Yeah, he's a member now. And he's a member, and they give him one of their bikes yeah. so that he can fa- go out and find his bicycle. And he gets on it, and Pee-wee, of course, has no control over this bike. He runs through a sign. You know, he crashes. And next thing we
0: know is we see the bikers giving an escort to an ambulance. Well, I think, one again, you know how we always said about how the movie just keeps moving. yeah. So Pee-wee's on the motorcycle for all of what, five seconds? Oh, not long. When he crashes through the fence or the sign, and and I and I think did it not leave like the body outline like <laughs> it does in like the Bugs Bunny yeah, cartoons? sure.
1: And there's like this, he it goes to the he goes to the, the sign, leaves the outline. He falls over, and there's like this pause. (laughs) Just enough, just enough of a pause that you're like, "Uh uh-oh, what happened? And then you see the ambulance. It kind
0: of sinks in what what just happened, yeah.
1: Right, so Pee-wee ends up going to the hospital, and he, um, while he's in the hospital, and I'll play the next one, that he has a dream. Oh, he's got some clowns in this dream. It's never a good sign when there are clowns in your dream. No. And the clowns have his bicycle. That's right. And they are, you know, I think they're taking a torch out to it. They're 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 destroying this thing. They finally get some type of crane that picks it up and takes it over and we see Francis and Francis is like one of them and he's like well, evil. Fran-
0: Francis has the he's dressed like the devil. Yeah. You know because he's got the beard and he's got the horns and he's shouting out orders to the going now. And now and they're like destroying the bike based on Francis's orders. So we
1: had no idea who Tim Burton was at the time. I, I you know I certainly wasn't really paying attention to directors back then. And I think the first time I realized that Tim Burton was involved in a project was in the Batman movies. Yes. So, I mean...
0: Beetlejuice for me.
1: That, okay. Yeah. All right. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe afterwards. I mean, because I, I didn't see Beetlejuice in the theater. I saw that one in prison. We saw
0: that in the theater. My okay. My friends and I saw that. So,
1: and, and I saw the Batman movie, the, the first one mm-hmm. in the theater. And I kind of remember them talking about him having done Beetlejuice. Yeah. But... Those dream sequences are very Tim Burton driven. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is him to a T. I mean, that is Beetlejuice in a lot of ways. I mean, you, I didn't think about it at the time, obviously, because Beetlejuice hadn't come out. Right. But with this, you are now going, you know, watching it now. I can go back and see. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what he did a couple years later in Be- Beetlejuice. Yeah. So we we have he wakes up from the dream. You know, this this nightmare that he has. But what does he see on the television there in the hospital? You know, you have the TV there at your bed, and he sees this this snippet where his
0: bicycle is on television at a movie set at Warner Brothers. They're doing it's the news. He's watching the news. Yeah, and and the reporter is doing a story on this child acting star who uh, was given this gift uh, for this scene in the movie, and the, the the child actor was played by Jason Hervey who. Many Gen Xers will know as Wayne from The Wonder Years. Yeah. He was Kevin Arnold's uh, older brother, Wayne. And, and he was Kevin in this movie. Yes. And so he, this was, you know, probably about uh, The Wonder Years started in 1988. So this would have been about three years before. And I remember when The Wonder Years came out, I, I, I was like, oh yeah,
1: the guy from Pee Wee's Big yeah, Adventure.
0: I instantly re- recognized him. Because
1: yeah. he, he was so good in this. Yes. He, he, was, he was so good in playing this bratty actor.
0: Well, when they first did the 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 news story, yeah. You know, he's like, "Oh, this bike is every kid's dream." And so he's like, he's laying the sugar on at that point. He's an actor. He's he's, you know, syrupy sweet. And so they they basically tell the exact location of where this bike is and it's it's on the movie lot on the Warner Brothers set. And Pee-wee is now awake in the hospital. He's like, "Okay, I now know where the bike is." So he's he's jumping up and down, and he's he's all happy, and he, and he runs out of the hotel, out of the hospital. Mm-hmm.
1: So he ends up at the Warner Brothers set. Of course, you know you can't get in without you know he's not permitted to, to go in there, but he manages to slip in as part of Milton Berle's entourage, That's right? <laughs> and Milton's telling jokes. <laughs> he's telling jokes, and Pee-wee is just laughing hysterically, <laughs> <laughs> and he's the only one that keeps laughing.
0: Well, doesn't at one point doesn't he like hang on the security guard as he's laughing, kind of like like you know how funny Milton is, yeah, and kind like, of pats oh, him on the shoulder. That's Milton for you. He's yeah. like, ah, and he's like patting the security guy on the back.
1: So we, you know, we we now go into that set that was shown on television of where Kevin, the the actor, is with the bicycle, and he's getting ready to shoot these scene with some nuns. Uh, from I'm assuming the orphanage because now he's going to be uh, you know adopted. Mm-hmm. And as they're getting ready for to shoot the scene, I have written down in my notes Kevin's kind of a jerk.
0: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, um, the director kind of like gingerly goes up to him and and says, "Okay, Kevin, are you ready?" He wants another take. Yeah, he was he's like, "Yeah, because that take was really good, but
1: let's do the. Can we do this one and maybe just have a little more."
0: Enthusiasm, whatever however he phrases it. Yeah. And so Kevin just goes off on the director. And then he starts criticizing Mother Superior <laughs> right. because she wasn't, she didn't come in when she was supposed to. And Mother Superior flips out. Right. And she starts yelling at the director, saying, You know, I've been an actor for, I can't, I can't do work with this guy anymore. I just can't do it. And the director's trying to calm her down. And it's like, You know, we're almost just, we just, let just get the scene done. And, did you know who played the role of, of the mother? No, superior? no. She was actually in his uh, stage show, and that was Lynn Marie. She played Missy Bette.: Oh, okay. So she was, she was part of the, oh. of the original Pee-wee's Playhouse.
1: Well, the, what's interesting is that while this whole little drama is going on between the, the actors and the
0: director, we're kind of distracted. Yes.
1: Because all of a sudden we look over, and one of the nuns is Pee-wee.
0: One of the nuns is stealing the bike. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we, you know, we, be, while the argument's going on, they flash to one of the nuns, and it's Pee Wee standing mm-hmm. there. That's right. And then, so then they, they say, action. Well, you know, of course, uh, they, Kevin calls for action before the director calls for action.
0: That's right.
1: And then he immediately becomes this, like, you know, oh, Mother Superior, and he's so nice and innocent. And then he was saying about how, you know I, you know, that this bicycle, I have everything I want now that I have this family, and... And Pee-Wee's like, oh, I'll take this bicycle. And he like walks it off the set. And everyone's confused because that's not part of the script.
0: Right. So everybody just kind of gives him that slight hesitation that he needs to get a head start on getting out of the building. And then that brings about one of the biggest chase
1: scenes. I mean, we've had some chase scenes already. But now Pee-Wee's going to take off. And we have the, the Warner Brothers security take off after him.
0: But it's, it's the magic of you know old time hollywood where you kind of have this little world in every building so you have all these movies being made at the same time on the sounds on the sound lot. right and he's being chased throughout all this so he's out in the, out in the lot outside and then he'll go into the buildings like he interrupted a uh what was it uh a japanese well movie. We,
1: i i have it down i the, the order was first he goes through like a beach scene okay and you know he goes and that's where they pick up the boat then he uh, then he ends up going through the north pole
0: christmas yeah christmas because the the first scene like i said you know where you kind of had that that 50s 60s kind of retro right it was like reminiscent of those 60s beach party movies with frankie avalon Mm -hmm. and uh, annette funicello
1: right and then he ends up uh, going into what's well, kind of a Godzilla movie being shot by by this
0: Japanese director. Which again is, you know, back in the 60s, 70s type era.
1: Right. Yep.
0: Yeah. And so, yeah, he ends up... Does, does he end up knocking Godzilla over?
1: Um, or- he goes crashing through because there, there's a guy that's like pulling the rope as they're kind of hanging there, and he goes, he he, he crashes through the entire set. Right. And not only does he go through the movie sets, but then we find out because it is the '80s and they're shooting music videos that out in the uh, the lot, out in the open, in a in a Cadillac, uh, shooting the video is Twisted Sister, who
0: was pretty hot at the time.
1: This was off that that big album that they yeah. had, "The Stay Hungry." Yeah. Which was kind of funny at the time, seeing a cameo by Twisted Sister.
0: Right, and, and again, it falls in line with the, you weren't expecting to see Twisted Right. You know, you, you went through the movie this far, because now you're over an hour into it, because now Pee-wee, at 60 minutes, has recovered his bike. <laughs> uh, you, of all the things, you're not expecting Twisted Sister to be in a Pee-wee Herman movie. So let's, let's move it up here.
1: Yeah, uh, this is part from
0: the
1: movie. Yeah. Anyways, that's about all the longer it was in the movie. <laughs> and so, you know, they, they keep moving. Eventually, Pee-wee is able to make it out of the lot. He jumps over the roof, does this this incredible, uh, you know, scene where he, he goes flying through the air on the bicycle.
0: Well, I think at this point, we're starting to see all the gadgets that the bike has. Because he's using that to help him elude the security guards, like he sprays oil on the on the ground, right. so they go slide. The ones that are on the bikes go sliding away. Uh, he he shot smoke out from the back from the tailpipe, and when he actually jumps over the fence, doesn't he use like a little rocket launcher, kind something of like
1: that. Yeah, yeah. And and so he he makes it out, and it looks like he is going to get away. That's right. He's 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 made it, but as he's riding his bike. He sees a fire in a pet store.
0: Well, when he when he jumps the fence, yeah, you know he goes up over the fence. He lands on the backside of the roof of a house, mm-hmm. and then he somehow rides off and then lands on both wheels and comes to a perfect stop. Because remember, early in the movie, he falls. That's true. When he's trying to impress his buddies, right? And then now he does a spectacular landing, and he comes down and there's a group of kids there on BMX bikes. Yeah, and the one ki- one kid's like radical like that was the best thing he ever saw <laughs> right and so instead of being i meant to do that he gives like the thumbs up and the big smile mm-hmm. and then he goes riding off and then then he goes to the pet store
1: and then then he sees this pet store on fire and because he's a good guy and he loves animals he decides he's going to save the day and he's going to get all the pets out of the
0: store right and he starts with the i guess the cutest animals <laughs> right yeah, you know, he starts with the dogs and then he starts with the cats, right. and every time he's going in and out of the store, there's a little section of snakes, <laughs> and he makes a funny face, like like a yeah. disgusted face, yeah. every time he goes past yeah. the snakes. He, he, he,
1: it, it's it's amazing how they they let us know in a couple of seconds he hates snakes. Yes,
0: and you know he's he's letting out, you know, he's scooping out the fish, right, and he's getting the birds out, the and, mice even he even let them out, and the mice, you know, they come they go scurrying out, and again he passes the snakes, and he's like. Uh, but every time he stops, he stops a little bit longer. Yeah. You know, the first time he's like, no way. And then it's like, uh, and then finally by the last time, and then the last scene of the burning pet store is he comes out and he's covered in snakes. Right. And, and he's he, just screaming.
1: And he collapses on the ground. He faints. He faints uh, due to the snakes because he's you know got them, his hands are filled with snakes. And so we then see the, the oh, there's a firefighter there and a police officer. Mm-hmm. There and the talk about how and and the firefighters like this boy's a hero, (laughs) which is once again they're calling him a boy. Yeah. And and the and the police officer's like, oh, this boy's in a lot of trouble. And so they they ended up taking him back to Warner Brothers, and he's meeting with this this uh, executive, and I guess he thinks he is in trouble.
0: The president of Warner Brothers. Oh, is that who it it was? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Terence Terry Hawthorne was the character's <laughs> name, uh, but yeah, he was he was the president of the studio. In real so life, he was in, no, no. He oh. it, it was just an actor, but okay. he was, uh, yeah. But they took him. They took Pee Wee to the top, right? Well, you know, and of course, you know, he's the kind of studio executive that has his hands clasped together and has his fingers kind of in that triangle where he's, you know, looking. Hmm. Hmm. So he's Pee Wee's like bleeding, telling his his heart and his his story and. Uh, you know, Terry's listening to it and he's he's impressed.
1: Right. And he says that he thinks this story would make a great movie. And then suddenly I think Dottie shows up with the bicycle and and then we find out there's gonna be this movie made.
0: Well, there's a you know of the whole back and forth between Pee-wee and Dottie. You know, Pee Wee or Dottie comes showing up with the bike. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and she's like, Pee-wee and he's like, Dottie. And he turns around and he goes, my bike. And Dottie's just kind of standing like with her arms up right. like she's expecting a hug. Right. And she just kind of like, do, do, do. You know, like, does like <laughs> the, the uh, you know, the little twirl like uh, of, of shame.
1: Right. And that's, so you know, once again, that, that's why Dottie got all those engagement, uh, those marriage proposals, because, you know, there, there's so many guys saying, oh, you know, I wouldn't have left Dottie hanging. But so we then go to the drive-in because it's going to be the world premiere of Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And we see um, Pee Wee is, he, he gets all this food. Mm-hmm. He, he goes to the concession stand. And as he's going back to where he's, his, his seat is with, with his bicycle, he, you see every character that was in the movie. Right. As the movie's starting. As the movie's starting. And he goes back and he gives each of them something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, he's giving them candy. He's giving them, uh, he, he sees um, like the, the hobos. Um, he, he gives them snow cones.
0: <laughs> and weren't the hobos in like a detached box car? <laughs> <laughs>
1: and he goes, and they're sitting on boxes and that was a Jack or whatever the guy's name was. And he's like, hey, box seats. <laughs> and because they're sitting on boxes. Yeah. And the, uh, but you see, you see that the, the dudes on the BMX bikes are there. You see Terry, the, the president is there and he rolls down his window and, and uh, Pee
0: Wee gives him like a chili dog or something. And he calls him Babe. Yep. Thanks, Babe. <laughs> and then uh, Mickey, he was in the prison uh, bus. He got him a foot long. I got you one foot long as he winks <laughs> at him. And then the security guard's like, ah, let me check that first. And he pulls out a file. <laughs> and Mickey's like, ah, nice try, Pee Wee.
1: Yeah. And uh, who else would have been there? Uh, oh, we see Simone. And she mm-hmm. has some guy from France. Yep. She's with her, her French boyfriend. Yeah. Um, we see Chuck. Chuck's. Came yes. to the event. Yeah. And then we, there's Dottie. And then she's over there. And, you know, Pee Wee just keeps doling out all this food to everybody else. And, oh, the bikers are there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's Beca- right. Because at some point, because there's such a bunch of animals, he just throws their food up in the air. That's right. And they all cheer. And But as he's walking back, we see clips from the movie. Right. And the, the actors that have been selected to play the roles of Dottie. Or Dottie is uh, Morgan Fairchild. Morgan Fairchild. And... um Pee Wee is, uh, who, who is that? That was James Brolin.
0: James Brolin, yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, the, and, but Pee Wee does make an appearance in the movie.
0: Pee Wee's got a, got a very pronounced scene as, as he, as he watches it. And he's the bellhop in the hotel, but not before, instead of a bicycle in the movie. Mm-hmm. And James Brolin is wearing a gray suit with a red bow tie. That he is. Um, however, Soviet ninjas <laughs> have stolen his bike, <laughs> Just his like motorcycle, that. yeah, and it's like a you know a Kawasaki Ninja type uh, you know motorcycle, and so but during the scene, uh, Agent Herman is fighting them off like it's like ten against two, but uh, they're Dottie, Morgan Fairchild, and James uh, Brolin are basically you know almost even handily beating these 10 ninjas right but somebody just at the last second gets on the motorcycle and rides off
1: well they pulled over and they stopped and let me start the music here because there is driving uh music here from the soundtrack and this is peewee kind of walking along as he's like hand out the candy and but the um i think peewee in the movie james brolin's peewee he uh he needs to pull over because the bike's getting a little overheated that's right and and Dottie's, so is Dottie.
0: <laughs> so <is> Dottie. <laughs> so they start making out, yeah, and that's when they get jumped by the ninjas,
1: the 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 Soviet ninjas, right? And uh, so you know, as as they Huey makes his way back, and we see the bellhop, and it's like, I I love this when I saw it in the movie the first time.
0: Well, it it's so great because I, I can imagine when they were writing the script, and they're and they're saying how, obviously, you know peewee would have no acting experience but he has have a cameo right it's his life story right so how do you put this person who has no acting experience into a movie and have them portray a character so i'm sure they're like all right now peewee's going to be in the scene he has no acting experience he's going to be extremely nervous he's going to be extremely awkward and so he's kind of like very stiffly moving around and then he opens up his mouth to talk, and they dubbed over his voice.
1: <laughs> well, I said that, you know, the, the actress that plays Dottie, I mean, that's what she does mm-hmm. now for a living. She, you know, they, oftentimes if someone opens their mouth, it's, it's her voice. And so, you know, who knows when, when Pee Wee shot it, it, it wasn't up to par. And then we hear, you know, it's like uh, the Pee Wee character wants to know if he has any mail, any messages. Well, for, for Herman, P. W. Herman. <laughs> right. And then but eventually then there is a message and then you hear this beijing Mr. Herman, Mr. Pee Wee Herman. And then, then uh the Pee Wee, James Brolin Pee Wee, comes up more the the Morgan Fairchild Dottie. They come up and Pee Wee will not leave the scene. <laughs> That's right. He's kind of looking into the camera. <laughs> He's like he like actually moves over so he could be like dead center. Right. Uh, and, and they turn in, and at
0: one point they turn and look at him,
1: <laughs> and they don't cut it, which yeah. is, which is great. But eventually, uh, we see Pee-wee and Dottie. They're they're sitting there watching the movie. They're on their bikes, and um, then Pee-wee wants to go. It's time to leave, and Dottie's like, "Well, don't you want to see the end of the movie?" And he goes, "I don't need to see it. I lived it." <laughs> and then finally, here and here's the final song that Danny Elfman put together for the movie. And this is the finale, as Dottie and Pee-wee go riding off. You kind of see their silhouettes at the, at the, on the screen as they go by,
0: right? And at one point, don't they go in the air? Uh, maybe, like E.T. Could they? Okay, I, I, I couldn't. Yeah, it's possible. And then the, just like that, the movie comes to an end. It, it
1: does come to an end at exactly uh, what would I say ninety minutes? Yeah, like on the dot. Yeah, and they they cut it off. So, and it was that was that was Pee-wee's big adventure, which, as far as I'm concerned, that was the height of of the whole Pee-wee Herman phenomenon. Eventually, a couple of years later, we get Big Top Pee-wee.
0: You get Big Top Pee-wee, which I then... did not care for nearly as much. I saw yeah. that one in the theater as well, and again you know i mentioned roger roger ebert in his um, assessment of the first movie and he wrote a review of big top Huey. and he said yeah the second movie had some funny moments but it lacked the overall sweetness and you talked about that well that's sweetness. it that, that that's true but it just kind of lacked the 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 sweet nature of the first movie and it's it's hard to recreate stuff like that and i know we did an episode way back when we first started this podcast on Eddie Murphy and we talked about the differences between delirious and raw and, and the first one delirious just had so much joy in it right and it seemed like raw was a little darker and i think you know maybe as an as an actor as a, you know as a character maybe they were afraid to go back to trying to recreate what they made in the first movie and felt they needed to go in a different direction
1: well i i only found out about the whole phil hartman situation uh you know recently i mean i i did not know he was involved in the first one because he wasn't phil hartman it right. didn't it didn't jump out at me and he wasn't phil hartman when big top Pee Wee came out he was not part of big top Pee Wee, and i can kind of go back now and see phil hartman's part in this mm-hmm. you know in the in the first movie it seemed like his type of gags that he would have and it you know everything's just so good natured about it you know uh, you know other than Francis and Andy mm-hmm. everybody's likable in this movie it, it's just like this this world filled of these really nice people that you just want to be a part of yeah and it it just was this this happy joyful movie and you know I remember I, I heard Phil Hartman interviewed um, where they, the interviewer said when he didn't review the movie initially because he thought, eh, it didn't, it didn't appeal to him. You know, he thought it was just going to be a comedy. And then he heard people just rave about this thing, so he went and watched it, and he said he thought it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Because it's not a slapstick comedy.
0: No, it's not, although it has gags in it. It has
1: gags, but it's the gags are part of it. It's not the central part uh, a, of the movie.
0: Yeah, and they're... I think anything successful, whether it's movies or TV, it if it has a strong enough story, and it's not like it's not like Peewee's Big Adventure is, you know, you're talking not talking Shakespeare, but the storyline was solid enough that you could build the gags around it. Whereas so many times you see the movies about the gag, and um, but the story of Peewee finding his bike was the constant throughout mm-hmm. and that, that that's what kept the train moving forward for the movie and it was very successful. I think they did a wonderful job.
1: And you know to have it where it's a, a good movie where it's not just this this fluffy we talk about being sweet you got to build the tension and they did a good job of that as well. you have to you have to be rooting for the bike to be found and you have to actually have to believe that this bike is in peril. Yeah. And that it, this is Pee-wee's whole world. I mean, I think that's the little the little clips, the dream sequences that are in there. The Tim Burton touch. I think that does a lot of that because it really makes you feel panicked right. when you see the dreams, like the clown dream. You're you're uncomfortable watching this. You're like, oh no, what could happen to this bike?
0: And I and I think they they do a great job of floating between reality and this kind of you know subdivision of reality. Right. And it's funny when, when the writing's good and you can get the two to combine, and you get some, you get some good comedy out of that because, obviously, Pee-wee is like this man-child, uh, so it's a different different sensibility, sense of reality from from where he's at. But yet when he gets to Warner Brothers, you know everybody's normal right. to, to us watching the movie, and he's interacting. But yet there's a lot of there's a lot of funny results from. It.
1: So after this this movie, uh, you know Pee-wee goes on, you know kind of the, the, the circuit, you know he goes on the Letterman. He actually is the host of Saturday Night Live and he does kind of a an unusual thing where he brings his own writers with him. And Phil Hartman is one of them. And it was I guess Lorne Michaels was very was notorious for not wanting outside writers. He wanted his team. Yeah, that was taboo at it, at the time. But you know because Pee-wee was such a big deal he insisted upon it And they, they
0: gave in I think the only other time That Lorne Michaels Allowed that to happen Was when Jerry Seinfeld hosted. Okay And at the time Seinfeld was NBC The number one show in, in the world at that time
1: And what impressed Michaels the most About Phil Was The way he was Collaborative with the other writers Here he was this outsider Coming in And he worked just Extremely well Seamlessly with them So Eventually uh, You know As Pee-wee takes off, he gets offered this show on CBS. Um, You know, this kids show. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Did you watch the kids show? I saw some. I I, I did not. Yeah, I I, I did not. It it was. It didn't necessarily appeal to me. You know, I wasn't a kid at that time. Right.
0: I mean, when the show started, I think it started in what 1986. So I would have been fifteen, going on sixteen. I mean, I checked. I checked it out because I was a fan of Pee Wee Herman. Right. So, and and I'm not saying I've never seen it, but you know
1: how on the show how there's there's Cowboy Curtis. Yeah. But not um, uh, Captain Carl, and part of that was Pee Wee. According to what Phil Hartman said, that you know he and. uh, it was, I think it was Michael Averill uh, or whatever. I think he, I don't know if he helped create it, but but Phil Hartman definitely was part of the creation of the character of mm-hmm. Pee Wee. And they had this agreement that if the character Pee Wee ever made it, that Phil was entitled to 3% of of the royalties. Uh you say 3? Three? 3, 3%. Okay. I guess guaranteed 3% of everything that was coming in, okay. like, oh, probably off the profits, I assume. Right. Not, you know... It, he was going to get, and he thinks that you know Pee Wee cut him out and replaced him with Cowboy uh, uh, Curtis, Curtis because yeah. you know he was, wanted to cut ties with him, and all, and another part of it too was that I guess Phil did not want Paul Rubens to just do Pee Wee Herman, that he thought he was very talented, mm-hmm. and the the line that I heard was he thought he was a modern day Charlie Chaplin.
0: Well, the interesting thing about Paul Rubens versus Pee Wee Herman was that Paul Rubens didn't feel comfortable doing any of these shows as Paul Rubens. As himself, right. And the character Pee Wee Herman started to take over Paul Rubens and where he felt like he had to be Pee Wee Herman in public all the time. Like he couldn't couldn't be Paul Rubens on Letterman or Johnny Carson. Right. Or any of these any of these shows. Like it kind of got to the point where he was Starting to become, I don't want to say, kind of insecure about, but the Pee-wee character was 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 take has taken over at this point.
1: And the Pee-wee character, for me personally, got a little old. I mean, that's I and I can see where where Phil Hartman had a point where, you know, you're gonna you're gonna lock yourself to this guy so much that it's gonna be difficult for you to have a career. That you know they separated over the money mm-hmm. and also over these creative differences where you know they were kind of writing partners. And, you know, Paul wanted, or I'm sorry, Phil kind of wanted to go in this different direction and, you know, have other things that they did together.
0: Well, I mean, at the point of where the movie's made in 1985, Phil Hartman and, and Rubens have been together for about 10 years. Yeah. It was a long time. I mean, it's not like it was a two-year thing. Yeah, they were good it, friends. It was a long time that they worked together.
1: Right. So, um, you know, eventually they split. I, from what I've been, I've been told, they never spoke for the rest of... of Phil Hartman's life because you know Phil obviously you know was murdered at the end of the 90s and you know you know um, but they I guess they communicated some you know maybe via email but they never they never talked
0: yeah and of course you know Paul Rubens very famously kind of his career sort of came crashing to an end in the uh, at the end of the decade it was like early was it 92-ish
1: or so where he was, was arrested 89 it was 89 so I there you go he just graduated I mean, it, from high school so it was only
0: four years from the time uh, that happened now did did they they canceled the the kids show right the kids show had been on for about four seasons and had won a boatload of emmy awards right like it was it is considered i was just i can't remember i was watching something on youtube where they did like the you know the greatest kids shows of all time and they went back to a bunch of shows that were on nickelodeon and things like that but peewee's playhouse was on that list uh and it was very highly re- regarded when it was when it was on tv it was right. on cbs saturday mornings i think it came on about 10 o'clock okay and i did i did watch it a few times and um you know it, it was very similar to the hbo show but it probably didn't keep me in every week because it wasn't as edgy as the i think
1: that's what it was i i know i tuned in at least initially, and I was like, eh, you know, it's it's for kids. It it started to be geared towards a group that was younger than me. Because when we first watched the original HBO special, we were kids. Yes. And it was like we there's this adult stuff that we're listening to.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I had mentioned about hypnotizing Miss Yvette. I think he did it with a like a ventriloquist, the ventriloquist, the doll, okay. hypnotized Miss Yvette, which was funny. Right. Um, but just the fact that it was something that you know a kid would play with, like a ventriloquist doll, and that. But he's 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 telling the the doll is telling the woman to, to like undress, right? So it it, it kind of takes it to a different level.
1: Kind of sad that you know that partnership you know falls apart. You know, kind of sad that that uh, you know Paul Rubens has the uh, kind of goes into hiding for many years. Uh, you know. He, he appeared in things? Mm-hmm. I mean obviously I mean I, I know he appeared on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He did. He was in an episode of 30 Rock which uh, which I, I saw um recently. I'd never seen it before because I didn't watch 30 Rock but um um I saw where he was like this uh this inbred German uh <laughs> king or you know royalty and because of the years of inbreeding within the family he had all these like health issues and he ends up dying in the scene, and yeah, I mean that
0: was funny. It was he, good. He played a great character on the show The Blacklist. I don't know if you ever watched nope. that show, no, with James Spader. Uh, a one really good character, this neurotic criminal. Uh, because the Blacklist are all these people that kind of work underneath the surfaces, like they're not even on the most wanted list because nobody even knows they exist, and he's like this really neurotic uh, guy that. Can never be trusted because he always stabs everybody in the back that okay. ever tries to work. But I mean, it's, it, he just, he, because I would say picture like a Woody Allen type character as Paul Rubens. You okay. Know what I'm saying he's, he's just kind of like, um, he's a criminal and he's very wealthy and he's very dangerous, but he's also the guy that, uh, you know, he can't watch anybody get killed because he can't stand the sight of blood, that kind of thing. So, right. But I mean, it was, it was, it was. A textured character. I thought it was it was very well done.
1: In honesty, probably after 1986 or so, outside I take that back. Outside of him getting the getting arrested, Paul Rubens and Pee Wee Herman kind of left my radar.
0: Yeah, he did that one little thing on at the MTV video. Oh, where he kind of came out as Pee Wee Herman. Came right out, and it was the following year because he disappeared for a year. And then he comes back on and he came to present one of the video awards. But he came out and he, he actually got like a standing ovation. Yeah, I remember that. Because I'm sure he was probably freaking out, wondering what the reaction to him was going to be. And he comes out, and he gets a standing ovation. And you know, the show the guy's funny and quick witted. Yeah, he comes up and he says, Heard any jokes about me? <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, you know, it kind of broke the ice. Sure.
1: But, you know, it, it's. I think it's for the Gen X era, you know, here on Gen X Playback. Um, I think this was, this was a significant movie. Uh, Pee Wee Herman was a, a significant character that I think if you're going to tell the story, especially the 1980s, you have to mention Pee Wee Herman. Mm-hmm. And, um, hey, it's... Uh, we... We uh, we did a little little retrospective. gave you a little little background on on Paul Rubens. A little bit about uh, Pee Wee Herman. You learned some about
0: Phil Hartman. You probably didn't think you were going to learn. No, coming No, I. In I, tonight. I I'm, I'm glad you told those stories because I, I knew none of that.
1: Yeah, I always liked Phil. Phil Phil was always one of my all time favorites.
0: Phil was one of my favorite SNL character actors of all time. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite uh, Simpsons voices yes, of all time. Yeah, I and
0: mean, Lionel Hotz was just was incredible. Yeah, and Troy, Troy McClure. McClure yeah. yeah, Troy McClure. Yeah, yeah. but. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah, just uh, the the fact that these guys are starting to pass away now. Uh, they were such a big part of, of our life growing right. up that I just remember all those summers that we stayed up watching Letterman and Pee Wee would come on mm-hmm. and we'd be like excited. You know, absolutely, like, it was it was a cool moment. So it was.
1: So, anyways, that wraps up our, uh, our little tribute to uh, uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. So now Scott, we'll turn it over to you. What's what do you want to talk about next?
0: Well, I was thinking about it in. I thought back to when when I did my mixtape of 1982. Mm -hmm. And in there, I played the song, and I was just playing it again the other day, where I started out Side B, and we went into Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. And I told you the story about going up into my room and punching the pillow. Absolutely. And how I wanted to be a tough guy. I actually was just thinking about that this week. So what I thought would be fun... And we haven't done a whole lot of TV lately, but I thought it'd be fun if we go our separate ways and we come up with a list of our favorite TV tough guys from the Gen X era. Because there are a lot of them. Okay. Okay, so I mean you could go back as far as far back as Grizzly Adams or (laughs) you know Jim Rockford from the Rockford Files or Eric Estrada from Chips. Or Tom Selleck from Magna. you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of tough guys sure. from 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 television, and I thought we could do it for for the entire span of 70s, 80s, and 90s because there's a bunch. And I thought uh, you know it'd be kind of fun if uh, you know you you pull a, a big list and I'll pull a big list and we'll see how many of them kind of resonated with you and how many resonated okay. with me because although you know as as our listeners know, you and I share a lot of sensibilities of similar. Interests, but we always kind of have like there's always about three or four, right? Where you're just like, Man, I never, I didn't even think about right. that one. So, okay, sounds good. We
1: will, uh, we'll do that to come up with our list and, um, We'll make it. We'll we'll uh, we'll get all our listeners involved. So come up with your tough guy list as we come back for our next episode. So yeah, okay, then that's good. On, so, and
0: TV tough guys of the Gen X era. So that'll be our topic for episode number thirty three. Hard to believe we're we're over a year into this, and we just grow a little bit every week. And it's kind of cool to check the the analytics and see if there's a new town or or a new country that may uh, check into our show and it just it's, it's fun to do that week after week yep absolutely so yeah look forward to it all right so again thank you sean for our retrospective on peewee's big adventure and we will talk to you next week as we discuss tv tough guys in the gen x era so thanks for listening to the gen x playback show where the brothers hi i'm scott and i'm sean we'll talk to you later see ya